everybody this is hot button a lot has been rapidly changing the past couple weeks since we were last in the studio as i'm sure you all know we are as a planet dealing with quite a serious and ongoing crisis right now so in order to comply with our state and nation's recommended quarantine procedures as well as be conscious of the health of those around us in an effort to best minimize potential spread we have decided to do our fun podcast show remotely for the time being until further notice Currently, me and Austin are recording from our usual location while Jason and Chris are joined in with us on Discord from across town. If things continue to carry on the way they seem to be, then I will likely also be reporting in from home soon. Please forgive us for any sound quality related issues that we may have in the meantime. This has been a bit to figure out. We'll do everything we can to make it all come together in a way that works best for us and you guys. But yeah, just bear with us for the next coming weeks and hopefully for reasons far beyond a few of our lower fi episodes that this all begins to recover soon. Stay safe out there. Take precautions. Contact who you need to contact if you need help. But with that darkness now having been addressed, what do you guys say we uh, talk about some games? Lawsuits. <laughs> some oh, sorry, lawsuits. I wasn't listen- sorry, I wasn't listening. I was playing Skate 3. <laughs> Hot Button's favorite. So specifically, one Mr. Pac-Man and his better, cooler, significant something, Miss Pac-Man. Who is she? Where did she come from? And what happened to her? Uh, I believe it was on part two or three of our Tetra Saga that we brought up that it actually is a really odd story that I don't think many are familiar with. Wait, so, what uh, happened to her? Like, is this going to be one of those crime podcasts? <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is episode one of Serial Season 3. <laughs> the disappearance of Mrs. Pac-Man. <laughs> Sorry, Miss Pac-Man, we'll Miss get to me, it. Yeah. <laughs> it's very important that you don't call her Mrs. Pac-Man, but I'll get there later. But they I'm found ra- a bloody bow on the floor of Donkey Kong's camper. <laughs> That's all the evidence they needed. Was there mole there, too? <laughs> Um, I'm Randall Beatrice, here with Austin Blakesley yep. and Chris Anantuano. That's me. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Austin? If there are any drug sounds in the background of my recording, you can't prove anything. <laughs> yeah, I'm just That's opening sodas uh, right here, so anytime you hear that, it's all uh, carbonated water. <laughs> wait, wait, nothing's illegal about drinking, you idiot. <laughs> Hey, they're banning vapes. I don't know what's next on the chopping block, okay? Also, if you hear anything in the background, that is Jason. (laughs) So that means he was unsuccessful in editing himself out. (laughs) So, Austin, you want to lead us back into the neon world of the 1980s? Walk us through the answers to those riveting questions. Sure. All right. So to start, Pac-Man, garbage. We're not going to talk about Um yeah, no. he's a, he's a cool. good you Smash Brothers character. You go off one character. of the screen and yeah. you come over the other, like real, real fucking great at game. Yeah, <laughs> wow. But the story of Miss Pac-Man actually starts at MIT in the year 1979. Yeah, three students by the name of Doug McCree, Kevin Curran, and Steve Golson met aren't there. Funny names. They're not. They're just normal. These guys are not funny. Uh-huh. They are very normal <laughs> and are, very nerdy. <laughs> what are me and Chris going to joke about now? The lawsuits. Yeah, I can't joke about their names. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they met in the dorms and they had the brilliant idea of like, hey, we're at MIT. Everybody here's a nerd. Why don't we get a couple of arcade machines and set them up in the dorms? And then we'll have the key and we can take the quarters out and make some extra money that way. Dope. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. And to say it took off is a bit of an understatement. 
Within a couple of months, their missile command machine alone was pulling in about $600 a week in quarters. Holy shit. That's not to mention the other machines that they had. And in addition, they were able to use that $600 a week to buy more arcade machines and expand to all of the dorms on MIT's campus. So just they just opened an arcade at MIT, basically. <laughs> more or less, yeah. We're in the wrong business, you guys. Um, yeah, let's open up an arcade now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wait, you're telling me that's not viable? Uh, this was 40 years ago, too. <laughs> but yeah, there was one problem with their little business, though. They were at MIT. After a while, profits started declining. And here's why. They were at MIT. These people were smart and good at recognizing and memorizing predetermined patterns. And what did old arcade games have a lot of? Too bad mm. they can never memorize how to get laid. Fucking nerds. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, They just needed a gauntlet machine in there. They would have kept making money. So that $600 a week very quickly dwindled. Right. So everybody's figuring everything everybody out. Everybody figured out all the games, and then it became a high score chase where everybody was just putting in one quarter and then playing for eight straight hours trying to get the high score, <laughs> which is not $600 a week. It's like $4 a week. <laughs> I'm telling you, a gauntlet machine would have fixed those problems. But it also had another problem, which was that there were people who were like, hey, we never get to play because all the real nerdy kids are on the machines constantly. <laughs> hey, quit hogging the Terminator gun game. <laughs> 1979, folks. Oh, 79, sorry. Uh, I don't know if you know that Terminator, Gun Game, and Gauntlet were not out at this point. Oh, yeah. There's very few games out at this point. Maybe they just got bored of Missile Command, then. It is a boring-ass game. <laughs> Missile Command's okay. No. It's all right. Asteroids uh, is better. Well, yeah, they're different games. <laughs> um, I'm sure they had one of those, too. But they needed a solution to this problem, and they needed to figure one out quickly, I guess. A way to keep the time per game down, at least. They mm. say so that it was more people could enjoy the games. It was so they could make more money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But what if is you watch interviews with them. driven by as we're yeah. finding out, hey, surprise, everybody listening. We were right all along about everything. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they just should have put, like, a dollar thing on there. Or had, like, a token cabinet. That didn't come out till the Terminator arcade machine. <laughs> what, um, a dollar? I didn't, you said not 1879. <laughs> no, not the dollar. I meant the Back dollar. Automatic slot-loading dollar thing. A couple of nerds thing. set up that gun game where you shoot pellets at metal targets. Tick, <laughs> 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 <get> a carnival. <laughs> But after some quick MIT research, our heroes discovered something called enhancement kits. You guys know what enhancement kits are? I mean, if I take that literally, I feel like I could figure it out. Well, let's walk through your logic right now. Let's do it. What are they called? I don't know. Now you're putting me on the spot. It's Viagra, right? (laughs) Chris nailed it, yeah. They got Viagra and boned down hard, and then Miss Pac-Man was never born. Yeah. There is a little slot below the coin return. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, I mean, it is the coin return. <laughs> so okay. it's a kit that enhances the game. There you go. See, I got it. If you don't know what an enhancement kit is, Time it's out. an early... We, we can edit this out, but just visualize, like, you know the reason medieval arrows are dangerous, like, when they're angled is so, like, when it goes in, yeah, it hurts, but then you can't pull it out, because it's got, like, the spikes, you know what I mean? Like, I want to know where like this a, is going, yeah. Well, I'm just saying, like, that's, like, the same coin premise when your dick barbed. into a fucking coin return. It's yeah. like, once you put your dick head into the coin return. It does like, have that little door that falls down. Yeah, the, like, the, the you know, thing. your hood. Well, I guess if you're uncircumcised... <laughs> All right. You are falling real deep into this metaphor. 
I'm taking my headset off. Um, but yeah, enhancement kits. <laughs> Go on. They're essentially early forms of modding. You yeah. create a little tiny circuit board that you clip onto the circuit board of an arcade machine, and then when the arcade machine boots, it runs your logic on your little board, then the logic on the big board, and you can essentially use the code that's on the main game to reprogram the game. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And at the time, we're talking 1979 again. Mm-hmm. Like the Smashing Pumpkin song. Yeah, just like the Smashing Pumpkin song. That's what yep, that's what the year was named after. <laughs> um, Missile Command, like I said, was their most popular game. Okay. And Missile Command had a huge problem with predetermined patterns. The way the missiles fell was not random. It was... I didn't know that. Yeah, it was predetermined, <laughs> so if you knew where the missiles were going to go, you could play that game literally forever. Where's fucking IT students just yeah. figure that out? Well, yeah. it's because there's no, there's no such thing as random in a computer, you know what I mean? It's there just... isn't, but it was a set pre-coded pattern. So it was the same every time. It was the same every time you played, uh, that was the problem. Point Tetris. I say that well, I'm like 90% sure that's true, by the way, so if you know a lot about Missile Command, don't come at me. I'd be inclined to believe that that's probably true. I think uh, at least it had a couple predetermined patterns, maybe. I don't know. But regardless, I mean, it's level based, yeah. regardless, our heroes, I'm going to keep calling them that, <laughs> took it upon themselves to go on the hunt to find an enhancement kit so that they could keep their Missile Command game raking in those quarters. Mm. But interestingly enough, nothing came up in their search. And mm-hmm. the reason for that was because apparently Missile Command was programmed in a real ass-backwards way, and <laughs> nobody could reverse-engineer it, And because in order to program an enhancement kit, you need to know how the game is programmed. You can't inject code into code you don't know is there. So, right. and apparently Missile Command was programmed in some ass-backwards way. I couldn't exactly figure it out. I found one thing explaining it, and it was way above my head, <laughs> um, because obviously it's all like machine code and shit like that. If it was above your head, that means like reading it out loud to me would probably kill me. And then they said the thing that is going to reverse the uh, the the hero statement I've been making, which is, "Hey, we go to MIT. I bet we could do it." <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I like being the dumb kind of nerd. Yeah, <laughs> me too. So what did they do? Well, they got to work. They moved off campus, got a house, and started programming Missile Command with a couple more of their friends. And they created their first enhancement kit, known as Super Missile Attack. Cool. And then they realized that they had an opportunity, you know? An opportunity to hire somebody to come up with better names. (laughs) Well, yeah. Well, not really. You'll see what the names they come up with aren't that great. But um, (laughs) they realized, well, there's an opportunity here. Is Is it to make more money? It is indeed. Because they're, you know, Missile Command's a big game. They're not the only ones that are going to want an enhancement kit. So they started selling them. Hey. 250 bucks a pop. That's a lot in 1979 money. It is, money. and in a couple of months, they sold 1,000 of them. Jeez. Quick, do the math. A uh, quarter know. of a million dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I wrote in my script, for those of you that can't do the math, that's a quarter of a million dollars. <laughs> Which, I did not write in here, I should have. I looked up the conversion rate, like inflation and whatnot. Yeah. I think that's about like 700,000 now. Damn. So, Jeez. a lot. Enough. And what did they do with that money? Buy more Spend arcade it machines, all right? On prostitutes. <laughs> no, we're both wrong. That was the guy game story. They Just in- went to the strip club. <laughs> they incorporated their house. Oh, of course, those nerds did. In the hot button pantheon contest that I just made up of the most creative names of all time, they incorporated <laughs> as the General Computer Corporation. How the fuck was that not taken? <laughs> 
I don't know. Beca- because it was pre-80s, like it's before the tech sure. boom and everything. All right. Yeah, I guess that's fair. They dropped that at MIT, I mean, and then sense. Doug McRae and Kevin Curran became the co-founders. And then Steve Golson and a couple other people who I mentioned later, or we'll get to, or I might not mention later, but I might get to them. Oh, I think I do right here. Yeah, okay. We'll get there. The two of them dropped out, turned their house into a company, essentially, and they got to work. And they realized that there's a market for this, right? I mean, the more and more games that are coming out that are hot, the more there's going to be a need for enhancement kits. And like I said, a lot of games back then were programmed with patterns. Mm -hmm. By the way, this is 1981 that they programmed that. The reason I bring that up is because 1981 is another year famous for something. Mm -hmm. Do you know what that is? There's a song about it. <laughs> is it about having a fever? It is. For it? Is it one of my favorite Smash Brothers characters? It is. Duck Hunt. <laughs> you know you're close. Uh, good old, it's good Pac-Man. Good Pac-Man. I don't know why I'm dragging this I out. Know, you already said like, we're, we're talking I about Pac-Man. Pac-Man. <laughs> Pac-Man fever was in full swing in the early days. 1980 came out in Japan. Took that little island there by storm. It's only Buckner and, and Garcia and import- do a song about Duck Hunt. And then it took the important part of the world by storm, America, one year later. Early 1981. Actually, Duck Hunt was, what, 84, 85? Yeah, the, that was after the crash, which we'll, <laughs> yes. we still have yet to get to <laughs> in the story. Mr. Um, Game & Watch. Yeah. <laughs> and Pac-Man. I don't know if I said this already. But. Which one is Pac- Pac-Man? Is, is that the blue one or the elf with the sword? Which one's Pac-Man? <laughs> um, Pac-Man is the one that swallows people. Kirby. Oh, Kirby. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, he's round. He's got I feel shoes. like we've done this exact bit before. I, maybe. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not so good at the... Treat every episode like it's the first. Yep. Whatever. Pac-Man, Sonic, Kirby, they're all balls. <laughs> you know? Sonic's yeah. only a ball when he goes real fast, dude. Yeah, exactly. Which needs <laughs> to be all the time. <laughs> Again, Pac-Man was known for these recognizable patterns. The ghosts moved in very recognizable patterns. Yes. Uh, you, they had four different patterns, right? They for did each have four ghost, different yeah. patterns, which I will talk about when I get to what they need to what improve. The, changed, yeah. Because I have them written down, but I don't want to skip ahead. But these recognizable patterns weren't a problem yet because Pac-Man was relatively new in our country, but it was going to be a problem. I mean, yeah. eventually, like, the fever's going to die down, then just nerds are going to play it, and then they're going to be in the arcade all day. I mean, I think next to only Space Invaders, Pac-Man was, like, the biggest arcade game, like, of all time when it came Sure, out. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, was it the biggest, or was there maybe another Ooh. one? Yeah, DDR is pretty popular. Where <laughs> I came from. Now Star I'm, Wars now Trilogy Arcade. Oh. So, yeah, what did they do? In order to find these patterns, well, they did what any nerd would do. They got a fucking Pac-Man machine, and they played it yeah. day in and day out. That uh, was in our Tetris story, speaking mm-hmm. of as well. They had a Tetris cabinet imported there and would fuck with it. So, Yep, yeah. yep, yep. Popular game to mess with. Yep, they played it all the time, and that's when they discovered a couple of things right off the bat that they wanted to change. Does this look like the same map every single time? I don't know about you guys. (laughs) There was one maze that never changed, and the ghosts were on set paths. Inky, Blinky, Clyde, and... They didn't have names. In the original one, they didn't? I thought they didn't. I thought that was added in Miss Pac-Man. Wait, Blinky? Inky, Inky, Blinky, Pinky, and Sue? Sleepy? (laughs) No, no, because Clyde became Sue. Oh, yeah, okay, so it's, it's... Stinky, winky, uh, drinky, and Sue. That's it. Drinky? <laughs> yeah, dude, I did the research. Don't question me. 
But yeah, those patterns never changed. Well, like Randy said, they varied up, but it was one of like four things. Yeah. So in order to vary gameplay, an algorithm needed to be made. Two might have been the same. I don't even know. An algorithm needed to be made, and they needed to be more random. But they had one huge problem. You see, Missile Command, if you've played it, is just a machine. It's just a like a landscape view with like a couple turrets at the bottom, and then missiles fall from the sky, and they're just lines. Pac-Man had a mascot. Pac-Man had, at the time, the most recognizable yeah, mascot. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I'd say he's so, probably the Pac-Man, first. Pac-Man had his own mascot. Was it a guy in a red hat? A little Italian guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You mean Jumpman? No, the Drake song? Play the Pac-Man. <laughs> but yeah, let's just say, for legal reasons, they didn't want to just make a Pac-Man enhancement kit. They needed to change the art so that they didn't get sued, essentially. Sure. And that my friends, is when Crazy Otto was born. Like from Berserk? No, that's Evil Otto. Evil Otto is the giant flying head from Berserk. Is it? Yeah. Get the humanoid intruder alert. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. We talked about it in the Polybius one. He killed people. Sure. <laughs> Gave sure. them heart attacks. <laughs> anyway, Crazy Otto. <laughs> yeah, Crazy Otto. That was a name they just kind of came up with out of the blue. They had a musician friend named Patty Goodson. Redesign all the characters. Patty Goodson. She made it so that Pac-Man, check this out, no arms, still a head, but he had legs and bright blue eyes. Oh, before he had those oven mitts, I guess? Huh? <laughs> no, no arms. Oh. No shoes. Blue eyes, huh? Just blue eyes. It's just Pac-Man. The same circle with the cutout mouth, pizza mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, just with blue eyes and legs. All right. It was a. Uh, fu- <laughs> it was fun looking for sure. For sure. <laughs> and the uh, and the ghosts became little tiny bug aliens. Kind of looked like fuck. What's the name of that one Pokemon? Venonat. Bug, uh, bug alien. <laughs> the ATV. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. ATV. All yeah. terrain Venonat. <laughs> Look like kind of like Venonat. But yeah, like I said, they had their plan now, or yeah. what they thought was their plan. I don't really know how much it changed, but they moved into their house, incorporated it, got a few partners by the names of Chris Rode, John, I'm going to say this wrong, Tilko, T-Y-L-K-O. That's how I would pronounce it. And good old Steve Golson, who I named at the beginning. And they got to work on their Pac-Man enhancement kit pretty much right after they finished Missile Command and right after they incorporated, which was sometime around summer of 1981. Hmm. This was in a house and it was founded by, I think they might have been like 20 years old at the time, a bunch of 20 year olds. But it was, it was a legit operation, yeah. uh, for the most part. They had their own secretary by the name of Kathy Roars. She sat near the front door in a makeshift desk, dealing with orders and UPS shipments for the Super Missile Command attack boards, which were being manufactured by workers in the, the basement. It was the only place in the 70s and 80s where a secretary didn't have an affair with anybody. Because... <laughs> <laughs> Assembling enhancement kits in the basement because the living room was full of in-circuit emulators, which were $25,000 computers. Jesus. That could perfectly emulate arcade machine microprocessors, including the Pac-Man machine. And they got to work. Living in the house, they worked all day and night. Some of them would wake up at 5 in the morning and work. Some of them would come down in a bathrobe at 11 a.m. and work, apparently. Is this your house? No, we don't wake up at 5 in the morning. Come on. Oh, yeah. Um, You go to bed at 5 in the morning. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. But, yeah, they designed new mazes 
And they had two main focuses. A, vary they the gameplay. Every time they made a maze, Leonardo DiCaprio would scratch it out and ask him to do it again. <laughs> I can't know it. <laughs> That's What's like that a, from? the weirdest inception. inception right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is. I've seen that movie and yeah, I didn't even they, get it. It would have been better if we said they made all the mazes yeah. circular. That Because like, they're harder to solve. <laughs> I don't even remember that part of it. How did you pull that out of your brain? <laughs> Juno's the architect or whatever. <laughs> that's dumb. I take, I like I take back saying I like that information. <laughs> that's mindful of deep, yeah, sure. deep cuts from Inception. <laughs> yeah, dreams have layers, man. It's on a different level. Yeah, there's a top, and if it stops spinning, then, uh, I don't know, somebody wakes up or something. I don't remember. The, um... But yeah, the other reason that they designed more mazes was because Pac-Man was famous for something called dead spots, which was basically people, nerds, found spots in the Pac-Man maze where Pac-Man could literally just park. Yeah. And you could walk away and he would never die because actually, the AI would never get to him. I actually saw someone do that at a barcade once. Yep. Yeah. And the ghosts just um, go like all over the map yep, looking they, for they you. They, go, they run around their predetermined <laughs> patterns and for some reason never hit that spot. So yeah, weird. Yeah. And usually it was because they didn't really go in diagonals. They only went in straight lines. So if there was like a corner that was not like part of like a thin line, right? That's why. So they designed the mazes so that there was no real like corners that you could hide. It was all straight lines, and they did all of it on graph paper. Apparently cool. they they designed some stuff on light brights to see how it would look on screen. <laughs> Um, that's actually pretty cute. Yeah, the graph paper things because I know that's how they used to design like Mario Brothers levels. Yeah, that's how and they used to design thing. a lot of stuff that was like eight bit like that because right, yeah. graph paper is good at determining pixels because it's sense. squares. Yeah, they also added new sound effects to the game, which was apparently the hardest part because nobody knew how the sound chip in a Pac-Man machine worked. One of them had to reverse engineer the sound generator by literally deleting files and then replaying the sound to see what they made that sound like. And then that's how they reverse engineered the sound chip Jeez. and added new sound effects. It uh, still had the waka waka. It did. Uh, yeah. They reused some of the sound effects, but they, had, they needed to add new ones. Yeah. They also wrote new music. They apparently had a piano in their living room where they would compose new music. <laughs> cool. um, and then they added skits and cartoons in between each level. Yes. Okay. Which, that I actually remember. Which was most of what they needed the new sounds and the new music for. What kind of animation is this? Because I've never played, I don't think I've ever played with Pac-Man ever. Okay, so basically what it is is like... The first one is like the ghosts are chasing... Mr. Pac-Man? Well, the ghosts would be chasing Crazy Otto around the board, and then it would go back to, you know, them blinking blue, and then Crazy Otto chasing them back, and then he would run into a female version of Crazy Otto. They have a kid at the end. Yes. I remember that. <laughs> and then they meet up again, and they kiss, and then I think they... Who, the Packs? The Packs yeah. have a kid? But yeah, they, they kiss. There's, there's like three cutscenes. They kiss, they fuck, and they have a kid, I think. <laughs> or the three. How do you get the fuck one? You gotta get past like the 256. Like, I don't know. Stage. Crazy Otto had legs. <laughs> Is there yeah, a doing legs? Ask right. if uh, Pac Man circumcised or not? Does that count as a throwback? <laughs> I think it does, but I'm not happy about it. <laughs> but yeah, they wanted to tell a story this time. I guess another reason to incentivize people to play other than high scores. Fighting narrative. They also realized that the Pac-Man machine hardware allowed for six movable objects. Pac-Man is obviously one movable object. Makes sense. You have your four ghosts and an empty slot for a six object. And the game had fruit in yeah. it. 
to That's collect actually, for points. The, yeah. the Pac-Man fuck ending was a mod called a hot cherry, <laughs> I believe, that they added in later. <laughs> so, they decided, hell, why don't we move the fruit? Yeah, never before. Because in Miss Pac-Man, the fruit it hops around, hop, fr- hops bum, around bum, and you bum, have to bum. chase it. Yeah. yeah, like marches. Yep. So, they added that. Good change. I'm about that. But also, they needed legal proof fruit. What? They needed fruit that didn't look like it was from Pac-Man because they would get sued. Is that where the pretzel came from? That is exactly where the pretzel came from. (laughs) So they added two fruits. They added a cherry because the two cherries on the stem cannot be copyrighted. Because of slot machines? Because of slot machines. Oh, Um, shit. That's wild. Wild. Yeah, Yeah. that's so cool. And also, they needed another fruit, and apparently they were huge pretzel fans in that house. So they added a pretzel. Yeah, It's like salted and everything. Classic fruit. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, pretzel. Yeah. Why wasn't it like a slice of pizza and like an energy drink or something? <laughs> yeah, an energy drink? 1981, dude. Did they exist? I don't know. Red, Red Bull wasn't out then, was it? No. All right, you, you keep going. I'm going to find out when Red Bull came I feel to like Red Bull was born out of the cocaine-fueled 80s, not before the cocaine-fueled 80s. You know, you're 80s. probably right. <laughs> if it was out in 1981, no. it was definitely only in Russia. 1987, dude. Ah, see? <laughs> No Red Bull. But yeah, they had one more change they wanted to make, and it was the biggest one, the one I mentioned earlier, which is these monster patterns. See, they needed to be random. Yeah. And in the first game, they had basically like three patterns, I think, which was the little ghosts would they would like chase chase you they would chase you they would run away from you if you got a pellet and they would go where you used to be no they would just go in predetermined patterns okay and then occasionally they would go back to their corners of the map and then yeah. start over okay that's how they reset like the you're ai right, loop you're right i'm thinking of later like era so in this game they made it so that they would randomly choose when to chase you, when to run away from you, even if you didn't get a pellet. Or sometimes they would just take every left turn they could until the AI pattern decided to flip. (laughs) They would also reset their pattern by going back to the corners, except this time they didn't go back to the same corner every time. You know, Inky, Blinky, and whatever the fuck their names are. The orange one would always go back to the left. The red one would always go back to the right, upper right. Wait. And then in this one, they chose a random corner yeah, to go, yeah, yeah. which would not I think I figured it out. It was, it's Inky, Blinky, Pinky. And Clyde. And then Clyde or Clyde Sue or... Yeah. Yeah. We forgot Pinky, which is probably the easiest one to remember considering... It's pink? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what are you going to do? Yeah. But yeah, they were working on this Pac-Man enhancement kit. Everything was going all honky-dory. They had 700 grand and all these giant expensive computers. Where does it go wrong? They're uh, walking around in bathrobes and programming. (laughs) But then... Living the life. You see, they were hanging out around the local arcade. And uh, they heard a little bit of scuttlebutt. You Mm. see, it turns out that um, their local arcade was thinking about taking Super Missile Attack down, their enhancement kit. And when they asked why... Because apparently Atari had caught wind that somebody was making enhancement kits for Missile Command, and they were not happy. Do you think if they came up with a better name, they wouldn't have gotten caught? <laughs> what, then Super Missile Attack? Well, they still had the word missile in no, there. No, I feel like the generic name definitely hid them for longer. Oh, <laughs> yeah, like it had sure. to have. 
Yeah, they couldn't find out which company to sue either because of their fucking generic <laughs> name. Yeah, exactly. The yeah. computer guys. Uh, yeah, yeah, what are they called? Yes. General Computer Corporation. General Computer Corporation. Yeah, man. These guys are so good at naming, dude. <laughs> They're so good. Like, the fact that they came up with Crazy Auto is mind-boggling. That is mind-boggling. And that's not even that good of a name. They were probably listening to Ozzy Osbourne yeah. at the time, and they're like, whoa. I'm worried. You're talking about they wrote music for this. That blows my mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, one, <laughs> one of them wrote music. I think they had a musician friend. They, they contracted that out, huh? Yeah, maybe. When was the arpeggiator invented? Definitely in the 80s, right? <laughs> um, the thing you said about them not being able to find the company to sue might have actually been right, and it might have actually helped them. Oh, great. Because... The scuttlebutt around was that Atari was looking for the people who made Super Missile Command to sue them, or sorry, Super Missile Attack, yeah, right. <laughs> to sue them. So what did General Computer Corp do? They sued Atari. What? First. On what grounds? <laughs> Didn't matter. It was complete <laughs> bullshit, but here's the thing. Okay. Since they sued first, that meant Atari had to countersue. And if you... Wow. Countersue, you still have to do it in the courthouse of the state where the original suit was filed, a.k.a. the home of MIT, Massachusetts. Right. If I didn't say that's where their house was, it's in Massachusetts. So it was a bullshit lawsuit, but by doing this, it forced Atari to countersue, and then that forced the lawsuit to take place in the court of Massachusetts, not the court of California, where Atari, <laughs> at least Atari of America, is yeah, based. Yeah, right? yeah. Man, so what's the advantage um, here? I will get to the advantage because there is a huge one. But once they sued, does Atari... a tough Boston judge? <laughs> yeah, I don't take no crap from nobody. Is that Boston? That's not even close to a Boston accent. Hey, park the park the park the car. All right, I'm getting there. Hold on. Wait, hold on. You got to channel it, channel it. Clam ch chowder, chowder. My, my Xbox just said that you're home playing Doom Eternal right now. Wait, it's me? Popped up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> who the fuck's touching my console? Sage is playing the Doom Eternal. I knew it. <laughs> but once the countersuit was filed. They finally heard what the damages were, what Atari was looking for. Okay. $15 million in when, damages. Time out. When you said Atari was looking for, I pictured like, just like we've talked about when the Polybius episode, like two guys in suits just hanging around the arcade. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey kid, we're from Atari. Hey, we're looking for the guy, you know, the guys that made this machine. <laughs> That's them. Get them. Yeah. Then it's like a Scooby-Doo chase yeah. throughout lower it's Massachusetts. It's like chase scene in Inception where they're in Africa. <laughs> <laughs> and he's chasing them. You know what I'm Yeah, you about? know Massachusetts and Africa? Same fucking thing. <laughs> and this Atari that we're talking about is... I don't remember if this Atari came up in the Tetra story because there's like 800 Ataris. I know, it's so hard to keep track. But this was the powerful Atari. This was the, the Space Invaders Atari, the big the big guns Atari. Yeah, yeah, this is Blade um, Runner Atari. Yeah. This Atari, This at Atari least, is worth hiring an extractor to get some information out of. Like, that's how <laughs> big Atari is at yeah. this time. Yeah. And they were used to suing people and having people back off because they were used to suing people who were breaking the law. You know, like... They were used to suing people who were, like, selling illegal Space Invaders merchandise right. or selling, like, fake Space Invader machines or yeah. something like that. Like that unauthorized Coca-Cola Space Invaders game. Yes. I think it's called exactly. Cola uh, Wars It's called or what, Cola Hong Kong 97, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> check out our episode on Hong Kong 97 if you didn't get that joke. Um, but, yeah, they were, like... We'll sue them. They'll stop making these stupid things, and then we can all go home victorious and, I don't know, do blow and get <laughs> prostitutes or whatever executives in the 80s did. Um, 
No, that's accurate. Yeah, that's exactly what they did. Yeah. I don't have to guess. Um, but they didn't know that they were fucking with some MIT nerds. Okay. Mm-hmm. And these MIT nerds had thought ahead, just like MIT nerds do. Atari had also revealed, in addition to the $15 million penalty, what exactly they were suing for. And they were suing for unfair trade practices and a violation of copyrights and trademarks. I looked up the difference between a copyright and trademark. I never knew this, by yes, the way. Yes, I learned this in college. <laughs> yeah. So, a little lesson for everybody because I learned it. I had never looked this up and I always wondered. A copyright is geared towards literary and artistic work, yes. such as books, videos, music, stuff like that. A trademark protects items that define the brand, such as logos or colors okay. or stuff like that. I think I actually yeah. did know that. That makes sense. It's, it's funny that they put them both together there then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, apparently they were, you know, exploiting the brand as well as the artistic work. Right. I, yeah, that, I, I guess. assume that would be their argument. Yeah. Don't soil Atari's good name. <laughs> yeah, they'll get around to that. Yeah, themselves. <laughs> yeah. They make Snapchat glasses in fucking hotels or whatever stupid horseshit they're in. The- I think Snapchat made Snapchat glasses. Right? <laughs> no, no, no. Like Atari made, like they partnered up with Snapchat and they made like Atari Snapchat glasses. Or oh, I hate them so much. <laughs> and then they paid their one employee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our friends at GCC. I'm gonna start calling them that from now on because I don't want to Gloucester say, County College. God damn it! <laughs> You're giving away where we live. I, <laughs> right. I don't. I don't want to keep saying uh, General Computer Corporation A because it's long and B because it's dumb. So I'm gonna start <laughs> okay. calling them GCC. Sure. They had made Super Missile Tech. With the intention of never getting sued. There Does anybody no, ever intend to get sued? People don't intend to get sued, but people intend not to get sued. Okay. There's a difference. Right. Right? You can be an idiot and just make a fucking mod of a game and then someone can sue you, or you can be very diligent to not break uh, their copyright. Okay. And that's exactly what GCC did. You see, fuck Tinder. Fuck you, Tinder. <laughs> you can't meet anyone I can't anyway. leave my house. I'm not going on a date. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Trying to record my video game podcast. Uh, anyway. What if a bot asks you to go to the club, man? No, they just wanted to get on a cam, which I can do because oh, it's inside. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, bot asking you to go to a club wouldn't make any sense. No, it doesn't because so. they're not real. Um, Clubs are bots. Stop with the Tinder right. joke. Right, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to I'm restart the, my line of thought. But yeah. Everything that they, everything on the board that they sold, the enhancement kit itself was made by them. And it was not technically illegal to like sell add ons to other people's products. Okay. Which yeah, can which like, can be illegal now. This sounds yeah, I was gonna say this yeah, sounds like it's gonna set some precedence. It sounds like your way if you're trying to three D print your own stand or holder for your uh, switch controllers. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's perfectly yeah, legal, right? Brick your switch, or yeah. if you're trying to three D print uh, respirator valves for people dying of coronavirus <laughs> yeah. and then the Topical. pharmaceutical company that makes them uh, sues you for fifty thousand dollars. That didn't happen, it did. <sighs> um Sorry, not to get dark. Anyway, they never used any of Atari's code. All the code on their board was written by them. God, what do you think all these lawyers, like, at this time, like, what did they think of? Like, like how do you approach uh, I don't know. this? They were just like, we're just going to sue them and they're going to stop making them. They didn't even want the 15 million. They just wanted, sure. 15 yeah. million is a high number to scare them off, right? Yeah, exactly. But these guys decided to fight it and it's good that they did, I guess, because MIT students, they never sold any Atari property. You see, they could have taken an Atari board, modified it and sold that. That would have been against the law. They could have like burned a ROM 
of yeah, the thing and, and then around at their college or and something. then modified that and then sold that that would have been illegal but they what they sold was a daughter board which is a tiny little chip that you plug into a motherboard and then like i said enhancement kit when the game is booted it loads through the game first and then the code from the daughter board injects itself and it loads a different game yeah and gotcha. that's yeah. that's basically like the worst they could do is like yell at the people who bought the thing for voiding like a warranty by fucking with the thing. But yeah, sure, they own yeah, the absolutely. Cabinet, it's theirs to do whatever they want with. You know what I mean? You right. guys can't get your money back. Yeah, so <laughs> it's but, um, smart. Yeah, it, uh, it's absolutely smart because mm-hmm. this solution is entirely aftermarket. There is at this time, at least, I have did not check recent laws in the day we're recording this. But in this time, at least, aftermarket solutions like this were not illegal, and none of the assets or code, like I said, on the daughter board that they were actually selling for $250 was owned or made by Atari. But because Atari is Atari and they got big boy lawyers with big boy pants on, they did succeed in filing a temporary restraining order to stop them from selling Super Missile Attack. So they had to stop manufacturing them, and they had to stop selling them. But part of this agreement was that this gave GCC the ability to address Atari's complaints and remarket a new version of the game, which they did. And then they got back to selling them again. (laughs) But here's where the advantage of filing first for the lawsuit comes in play. Because... Man, they really knew their shit. (laughs) Yes, they did. You see, Atari is a company, like I said, that's based in California. And they're doing pretty well right now. And their executives got a lot of shit going on. But in order to actually fight this lawsuit, because it's in Massachusetts, Atari executives were being deposed and basically subpoenaed to come to court. And in order to comply, they had to fly back and forth between California and Massachusetts a lot. They're too busy in their hot tubs smoking their cigars. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's what they're doing. Yeah. (laughs) No, they were like fucking the executives that ran Atari in this era were insane. Like they. All they're trying to do is get these people to stop making these enhancement kits. And now they're having to pay money to fly their executives back and forth. They're having to take time out of their executives' day to fly back and forth. In addition to this, (laughs) first local. Boston, then Massachusetts, then national news starts picking up on Atari picking on the little guy. And in this David and Goliath story, the public starts <laughs> yeah. siding with the little guy. Yeah, of course. Yep. They're like, fuck you, Atari. And Stop exec- picking on them. If there's one thing executives hate, it's unnecessary travel and poor people getting their way. Yeah. <laughs> but all of these headaches combined, Atari needed this lawsuit that they started to end. <laughs> and they needed it to end fast. The bad PR was becoming yes. too much. Yeah. The bad PR was becoming too much, and their executives, they didn't like getting on planes. That's for poor people, damn it. <laughs> they got private planes. What do they give a shit? <laughs> yeah, but the, you know how much fuel costs? Yeah. How's your planes now, assholes? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure all these guys are dead, actually. Yeah, well, <laughs> cocaine overdose? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, no, a heart attack from stressing their heart out with cocaine for so many years. Oh, right. Yeah. But anyway, when they had to fly back to court again, this time they sent some negotiators with, and instead of going to court, they just went right to the GCC headquarters, this little house in the hills of Massachusetts, Mm -hmm. and they basically said, all right, what the fuck do you guys want? (laughs) And they basically said, we just want to make games and kind of be left alone. That's wholesome. Yeah. (laughs) So what did Atari do? We just enjoy this. Yeah. So on October 8th, 1981... They settled this, but they didn't just pay them money and be like, all right, stop. Uh What they did was 
they offered them a development contract. Okay. That's right. $50,000 a month for two years or a $1.2 million development contract. All GCC had to do was make a couple games for Atari. No strings attached. The Atari executives didn't want to go to Massachusetts already. They're not going to come to check what you're doing. We'll just pay you to make this all go away. What is the catch? There isn't one. Okay. Oh, all right. Or no, there is a catch. Oh, give me a finger. <laughs> I'm cutting it off. And the only catch is that they still had Crazy Auto in development. Mm. And again, had the forethought to, in court, bring up to Atari executives like, hey, we're working on a Pac-Man enhancement kit. Like, we're still going to sell that even though we have this development contract with you because it's almost done. Right. Because they had been working this entire time of this lawsuit. Again, it's October 1981 now. So we're getting towards the end of the year. They started in summer. Mm -hmm. You know, they're getting towards the end of the year. They're getting completed-ish on this Pac-Man enhancement kit. They're like, we're going to sell it. And so basically Atari said part of this development contract was no more enhancement kits. Mm. And then Aww. GCC had them amend it. No more enhancement kits without the original manufacturer's permission. All right. So if they wanted to sell Crazy Auto, they had to go to the makers of Pac-Man and get permission. So Namco? Not Namco. Namco did make Pac-Man, you're right, by the way. In, <laughs> oh. order, in order for people to not get too confused, <laughs> okay. Namco absolutely did make Pac-Man. But Pac-Man was not distributed in America by Namco. Oh. It was distributed by All right then. Huh. Midway or Bally Midway. Bally? Wow, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Shit. Okay. In America, there's a ton of Midway collections, and they all have Pac-Man on them. Oh, yep. that makes sense. I know Midway was really prolific in the North mm -hmm. American arcade like market, but I guess and, that, that makes sense. Midway. Like I said, yeah, manufacturer Pac-Man is Namco, but they're Japanese. the American yeah. manufacturer of Pac-Man is Midway. And because they're not shipping Crazy Auto enhancement kits to Japan, they just want to put them out in America. Yeah, right. Okay. So they don't need Namco's permission. They just need Midway's permission because mm. Midway is in accordance with their contract with Atari. They need to get the manufacturer's permission of the machine that it's going to be going into, which the manufacturer would be Midway. Yeah. yeah. That's strange because it's like, I'm curious if Midway, well, obviously I'm assuming they said yes or we'll find out, but what a weird thing to agree to. It seems like such a loss of money. Like, that's a kind of a dumb stipulation to have. That's true. Yeah, I guess you'd have to weigh, do we want to make a shitload of money, sell these Miss Pac-Man kits, or get a <laughs> development contract? Oh, what? You talking about Atari? No, the people, like, it seems like Midway would not stand a benefit from agreeing to let them sell these, you know? Sure, yeah. And it doesn't really make sense for Atari to be like, all right, as long as you get permission, because if they did give them permission, then they're going to be, I'm assuming, giving a cut to Midway, not to Atari, but... Atari was so against these enhancement kits that they didn't really care who benefited. They just wanted it to stop because this was becoming a problem in the American market and it was starting to become a problem in the Japanese market. And they didn't care who benefited from it. Atari's line of reasoning was basically what you're saying, Chris, which is just like, they didn't think Midway would ever say yes. They just wanted yeah. these guys to stop. They're like, you can only make an enhancement kit if you get the original manufacturer's permission, which will never happen. You know, that'll never happen. So yeah. Who would agree to that? Yeah. Well, Midway. Because the only company not involved in that Tetris. Because they saw fucking... writing on the wall. They're like, fucking dude, we're, we're out of here. Yeah. <laughs> They cold called the president of Midway. And I'm really going to fuck this name I, up. Uh, yeah, immediately. I, Hello? Uh, <laughs> yeah. David Marfsk. M-A-R-O-F-S-K-E. What? Marfsk. What nationality is that name? I have no idea. That's the planet the Wookiees are from. 
Yeah, a couple of Y's yeah. in there. Yeah. That's the moon of Kashyyyk. And they thought like, hey, fuck it, we'll cold call him, why not? And they got through. And the reason that they got through was because David was in court constantly, constantly <laughs> dealing with lawsuits from American companies making unofficial Pac-Man merch. And Pac-Man merch was big business now because yeah. Pac-Man was popular. Yeah. <laughs> and so he was like, finally, I don't have to sue somebody. I can just talk to these guys before they do the thing I have to sue them for. <laughs> so he took their call. And they were surprised, but he was not. And the reason he was not was not just the lawsuit reason, but it was because what GCC didn't know was that Pac-Man craze still going. It's it's called Pac-Man fever. Pac-Man fever was <laughs> was still going strong, but it was dwindling a little bit. And it was dwindling to the point where Midway was about to lay off some people if something didn't change soon. But the other thing that GCC didn't know is that Namco had absolutely nothing Pac-Man related in the pipeline. No sequels. There was no Pac-Man 2. Yeah, that's true. And fucking Midway wanted a damn Pac-Man 2. <laughs> so David said, so you're making an enhancement kit for Pac-Man, right? And they're like, yeah, well, it's called Crazy Auto, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, you want to fly to Chicago and show it to me before I agree to anything? And they're like, all right, sure. <laughs> yeah. So... Steve, Doug, and Kevin flew to Chicago to show... Mr. Midway. Mr. Marf... What they were working on. They knew they had something, too, because without anybody's permission, they had actually set their enhancement kit on a Pac-Man machine at a local bar, and that was doing well. People were enjoying themselves. I like that. So, they went to Pac-Man headquarters, got a Pac-Man machine, loaded up their enhancement kit, and let David and co. play it. And the executives like it. Hey. So much so that they even went around and asked who the best Pac-Man player Midway had was. Oh, tournament time? And it, it, <laughs> it was an engineer whose name I actually don't have. I thought I wrote it down, but I didn't. Sorry if you're listening, Mr. Old Engineer. But they told him to give it a shot, and he liked it. He liked it a lot. Awesome. Um, so he thanked them. The executives thanked them for the demo. They gave them a Pac-Man tie and sent them on their way. <laughs> Here's some Pac-Man cocaine, some Pac-Man condoms. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like, I assume everybody was into it because it's like Miss Pac-Man was also like, or Crazy Auto, I guess at this point. I think it was faster, too. Or was that not until the Tengen version? Yeah. Okay. There, that was like another enhancement kit for the enhancement kit that made it faster, wow. I think. Wow, okay. Because I know they I even, they changed some of the stages around as well. Yeah. It's where it was like, I think the original Pac-Man stages are hollow and mm -hmm. it was hard to see the highways and then they just mm -hmm. solidified everything. Made it pulse more. But yeah. It's sorry if I'm shooting ahead. I don't know. That's all right. Where all these changes uh, happened. But Oh, I already said all the changes. There's some more to come, but yeah. the game is pretty much solidified. So if I miss anything, you know, jump in. You remember Miss Pac-Man. Sure. I mean, I, I, I am going off the home version of Pac-Man. Like, I'm sure you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But they thought it went well. And they're ready to, you know, hop on a plane back to Massachusetts and tell all their friends in their company slash house that they are about to get a call with the permission to publish Crazy Auto. You know, they start selling these enhancement kits. So, like, fire up the fucking assembly line, man. We got more enhancement kits to make. But <laughs> Just, when they I got... your auto from The Simpsons every time you say Crazy Auto. When they got home, they received a call from Midway. But, spoilers, you all know how the story ends. They didn't want them to sell an enhancement kit. They wanted them to make them a sequel. Yeah. You see, they called up Namco and said, hey, we got these guys who made a sequel to Pac-Man. You still not working on a sequel to Pac-Man? And the Japanese guys at Namco are like, 
No, we're not working on any sequel to Pac-Man. We're too busy making um. <laughs> sure. Two di- two different game company contracts. <laughs> like yep. what's what's Namco up to in this time? Like yeah. at, at this time, why weren't they fucking? Yeah, they called they called Namco and they're like, we need a fucking Pac-Man sequel, dude. And they're just like, we don't have anything. I don't know what to tell you. And then they're like, all right, well, we got these American dudes from Massachusetts who are making a sequel to your game. Then I don't know, you know. <laughs> We're too busy making... Cubert? Was that Namco? No, that wasn't Namco. Mm-hmm. Galaxian sequels? Galaxian was Namco. Or Galaga. They made a Dig Dug sequel. Maybe that's what they were doing. Dig Dug? <laughs> Dig Dug sequels. Yeah, they only worked on one game at a time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, this time, they wanted to try to make a sequel, but they wanted to do one more thing first, which was our crew flew back to Chicago, this time with their most complete kit they had, and they set a couple up as tests in different arcades around Chicago. Funny thing is that there was one arcade in Chicago that was being invaded by newspapers because the newspapers and news and also Time magazine (laughs) were doing stories about Pac-Man fever. You know, being as topical and on top of things as they are, (laughs) right as it's about to die, they're doing a news story about it. Anyway, a Time magazine photographer took a screenshot for the Times piece on Pac-Man. He took a picture of the machine, but the machine wasn't running Pac-Man. It was actually running Crazy Auto. So little did they know, Time Magazine actually leaked the first screenshot of Miss Pac-Man without knowing it. So leaks have been going on in this industry for this long? (laughs) But yeah, I think it's no surprise to say that this test went well. And on October 29th, 1981, about three weeks after they had got done being sued by Atari (laughs) and then got a $1.2 million development contract... They had officially signed another contract, this time with Midway, to make a Pac-Man sequel. Hey. And it was basically up to GCC to determine basically everything. What the characters were going to look like, what the name of the game was going to be, all this stuff. All they had to do was get approval from Midway. So Midway was like, you make the game however you want, make the characters look however you want, but if it's bad, we'll tell you and then do it again, I guess. (laughs) So, originally the game was going to be called... Super Pac-Man. How big was her heels? And they were just going to... Wow, going back to that name thing, huh? They just put super on it? Yep. And they were just going to basically revert all the sprites and then ship it. Um, (laughs) Pre-snazz. But it turns out that that didn't fit their little cutscenes. Because you can't have Pac-Man kissing Pac-Man. This is the 80s when it's not okay <laughs> yeah. to be gay. Yeah. I don't have no gay circle with a, with a pizza mouse in my house. You see these cutscenes, as I explained, they had a red version of the character that was supposedly the female version. They would meet, they would kiss, and then they would fall in love, and the then they had a little baby. Red. That's not, you know. Like, I know. Yeah. But uh, it wasn't a bug. It was a pizza with legs, dude. <laughs> God. Sorry, I don't like stupid questions. Um, but anyway, that's when they realized in order to make this story fit, they needed a female Pac-Man for Pac-Man to fall in love with right? and have a kid with. First, she was Pac-Woman. Because there's one thing that needs a nuclear family. It's fucking Pac-Man. <laughs> yeah. Well, absolutely, yeah. First, the name was Pac-Woman, but that didn't quite roll off the tongue. Then it was Miss Pac-Man. But spelled out. Um, but then they realized that there was a kid in the cutscene. Oh, shit. And you can't have a kid if you're not married. Again, this is the 80s, people. <laughs> so they changed it to Mrs. Pac-Man. Mm. But here's How the th- stupid are we? We, we? Our culture is so just invasive. It's corrupted two yellow circles. 
Yes. Um, but here's the thing. See, one of the programmers working on the game, he was married. And this was a more, I guess, progressive marriage for the 80s. His wife did not take his last name, nor did she go by Mrs. Yeah, dope lady. And she heard the arguments about what the name would be and said, you know what? Fuck that. She can have a kid and get married and still be Miss Pac-Man. And that's how the name came to be. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I like that. Yeah. (laughs) Except that later that year, she was burned at the stake for being a witch for even suggesting it. 1981, not 1681. (laughs) Oh, I know. She wasn't burned at the stake, dude. She was just burned in, I don't know. Wall Street. <laughs> What's the eighties thing? The, the disco. Nope, seventies. Um, uh, 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 yeah. Vietnam. No. Uh, Nazis. No. Damn it. Cultural mar- milestones. Uh, For, forgive us if our references are not firing on all cylinders today. <laughs> she was burned in Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Now I'm following. Yeah. You. Fucking oh. nerd. <laughs> oh what? <laughs> I, now I now I know what you meant by the eighties. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, obviously, if you're a woman, you can't just also be a yellow circle. That's stupid, right? We all agree that's stupid, right? You can't just be another yellow circle because women wear lipstick and have, oh, yeah. and have well, longer hair. Not that we've hair. already assigned gender and the traditional marriage roles and Catholic values to these yellow circles already. They had to give her that Marilyn Monroe mole. Yes, yes they did. Yep. So, the first character concept was a... There were some other guys having reference problems in the office. What do you think of when you think woman? Uh, uh, uh Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> it was a Pac-Man head with a full... Shoulder length, even though Pac-Man doesn't have shoulders, head of hair, a beauty mark, and lipstick. The flock of seagulls cut didn't. What? Well, they made her a redhead. Is that a flock of seagulls thing? No, it was in line with the '80s thing. Oh, she was redhead because the character in Crazy Otto was fully red. That's why. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think flock of seagulls is a blonde again, thing. I'm not, I'm saying. Again, we're talking about like not the most creative people ever. So. Keep that in mind while I tell you all uh, their decisions. Computer General Incorporated? General Computer General, Corporation. Sorry, whatever. <laughs> um, it's a boring enough name that you should at least get it right. <laughs> so they sent that away to Midway. Mm-hmm. Midway sent it to Namco for approval because Namco was still involved in the design of Pac-Man because they were the owners of the brand. Okay. So... They sent it to Namco, and they're like, love the idea of a female Pac-Man? Fucking hate the hair. Get rid of the hair. So... Give her the Sinead O'Connor. What they did was replace the hair with a bow, and that's the Miss Pac-Man we know today. Ding, 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 ding. They, 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 they took them how long to just pull a Mickey Mouse or a Minnie Mouse, I mean? I don't know, like a week. <laughs> <laughs> See how hard we have to try to make things different? <laughs> There's also been a lot of argument in this story up until now as to whether Namco was involved at all. But I read an interview with the creators of Miss Pac-Man and they said that Namco was indeed involved because they were the ones that told him to get rid of the hair. Okay. So (laughs) Namco is involved and Midway is involved, but all the decisions that Midway and Namco are helping with are cosmetic. The game is designed at this point. It's just bug fixing. In the Sorkin version of this story, (laughs) in the movie version, Namco is the Justin Timberlake. And they're like, (laughs) drop the hair, give it a bow. You know what's cooler than a million dollars? A billion dollars. <laughs> Drop the hair. 
You yeah, know what's cooler than a billion tiny white dots? <laughs> a trillion tiny white dots. <laughs> you know what? You know what's cooler than an apple of pretzel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, drop the R. Just call it Miss Pac-Man. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> so. Yeah, the design decisions are made now. Miss Pac-Man's got a red bow, beauty mark, and lipstick. Yep. The ghosts are back to being Inky, Pinky, Blinky, and Sue and instead Sue, of Clyde yeah. because one of the people who worked there's wives was named Sue, oh. so it was dedicated to her. And they had a couple last-minute bugs to fix, and one rather important... They fixed the kill screen, the 256 kill screen. No. <laughs> I don't think they did. I don't know if there's a Miss Pac-Man kill screen. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, they also made one major tweak to the AI. They were testing the game out, and one of the testers found out that there was indeed a dead zone in one of the maps. So, so at the last minute, they switched it so the red ghost was made to always follow. Gotcha! No matter what, that way you could never hide. Yeah, so no more exploits for yep. you score chasers out there. And after a couple months of decisions back and forth and bug fixing, on February 3rd, 1982, Midway officially announces Miss Pac-Man to the world. Wow. And I think it should come as no surprise that it blew the fuck up. Yep. Reviews were very good for it. It sold so many units that Midway did not shut off their factory of making arcade machines for like months or years. They ran it 24-7 for like a full year. Just <laughs> And they ended up making and selling over 117,000 arcade machines. Jeez. Which we don't know how much that netted Midway or Namco, but we do know from the interview I read that GCC netted a cool ten million from that one hundred and seventeen thousand yeah. units of Pac-Man. If they made ten million, jeez. You know what's cooler than seven hundred and fifty k? Ten million dollars. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, GCC then moved on from Pac-Man. Went to their work with Atari. They made 76 other games, most of them for Atari, including Food Fight, as well as ports of Miss Pac-Man and Centipede for the Atari 2600. All right. They also made a lot of games and made the cartridges for the 5200 and even helped design the chipset for the Atari 7800. Huh. They also made a sequel to Miss Pac-Man for Namco in conjunction with Atari called Junior Pac-Man about the little baby. Yeah, I never played that one. It looked like garbage. I, didn't, <laughs> I haven't played it either, though. So then the video game crash happened. Oh, obviously, no. Atari, obviously, Atari was around after that, but not really in the same aspect. They didn't really have the money to be paying these people. They sure weren't making consoles anymore. Yeah, so... <laughs> That was when GCC decided, hey, we made Miss Pac-Man. We can get out of this video game business. And they started making computer peripherals for Macintosh computers. Is that a better market, I guess? Mice, printers, things like that. Sure. They eventually settled on just making printers since that was where most of their money came from at that point. And as far as I'm aware, and I could not find definitive evidence like a website or anything, but according to certain things I read on the internet, they may still be in business, may still be in Massachusetts, and may still make printers. Huh. Huh. Yeah. (laughs) But we are going to... Cut back to Miss Pac-Man for a second. And by for a second, I mean basically for the rest of the podcast. Back to 1982, Miss Pac-Man comes out and is a smash. I wish she wasn't smash. What happens when you have a successful game like that? Merch. Merch. And what happens when you have an intellectual property that was created by three separate companies? (laughs) Legal battles over merch. (laughs) So there was merch all over the place, but the big thing was... 
there was Hanna-Barbera partnered with Namco basically to make a Pac-Man cartoon, a Saturday morning cartoon, which featured Pac-Man Jr. or Baby Pac-Man or whatever his name was, uh, Baby yeah. Nut, um, and then Miss Pac-Man, and it was essentially a fleshed-out version of the story from Miss Pac-Man. Have you ever seen which that was, show? Yeah, it's bad. That show sucks. It sucks. <laughs> it's terrible. But, oh, uh, really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But the cartoon was the mistake because obviously these people now, you know, working on for Atari aren't following what Miss Pac-Man merch is out there, but they are following TV. So they, they <laughs> right. noticed this Saturday Mark cartoon and said, what the fuck? They're using our story and the characters we created and we're not getting any cut of this? We wrote like 40,000 years of lore. What was it in Dustin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, Pac- the Miss Pac-Man grimoire cards. Remember this? Yeah. Um, but yeah. They took Midway to court in what was later known as the maternity suit. Wow. Uh, okay. uh, eventually, undisclosed amounts of a three-way split were made in a new contract in which any Pac-Man merch or Pac-Man cartoons or Pac-Man cereal would then have its profits split three ways. I could go for some Pac-Man In, in, in amounts right we do not know, name... It's traumatizing. Yeah. <laughs> this is why Baby Pac-Man ended up just making a murderer season three is actually about <laughs> Baby Pac-Man. That would happen. Pac-Man's got a lot of issues. The Pac-Man in Smash is actually Baby yeah, Pac-Man. Yeah. Oh, right, baby right. And he, he's only good at beating people up because he had a fucked up childhood because mm. the maternity So it's suit, like yeah. Donkey Kong Jr. became Donkey Kong and the original Donkey Kong became Cranky Kong. Yeah, except way more fucked up than that. Is that real? Cranky <laughs> no, Kong? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There was no divorce Somebody never involved. saw the uh, opener to Donkey Kong Country. Yes. No, I told you, I've been talking about on this podcast, I do not like Donkey Kong games. He's got a boombox in that like The, the Donkey intro, Kong dude. from the original Donkey Kong is old and yeah. is now named Cranky Kong, and the Donkey Kong from every Donkey Kong game past that is Donkey Kong Jr. grown up. Yes. So wait, but how come Mario is the same age and he looks totally fine then? <laughs> because there are no rules in Nintendo Land, damn it. <laughs> But that is the last lawsuit. Just kidding. There's one more. Oh. Um, <laughs> Wait, time out. I just want to, just a sidebar, we make a lot of jokes involving Mario. If you were to, like, explain cold to a person, like, oh, the hot button, yeah, it's this video game podcast. You know, they just, like, talk about games, make jokes about Mario. It's, like, the most generic <laughs> I mean, if you want to boil it down, this whole episode is just one long joke about people in the 80s did cocaine, executives are shitty. It's like a kid is making a podcast synopsis. It's like they make jokes about Mario. Mario? (laughs) Be fair, you bring up Mario a lot. He's fucking great. <laughs> I think we should pivot and make this the year of Luigi instead. <laughs> You're right. Fuck You're right. right. Start making fun of him. Let's make it the year of Waluigi, because you know every year is the year of Waluigi. It's true. <laughs> so who got sued last? Namco. Would you believe it? Oh. So it turns out that the people who wrote this second contract with the three-way split didn't account for certain things, like. The fact that they would make another Miss Pac-Man arcade machine. 
Oops. The fact that iPods and iPhones would come out. Mm. The fact that those shitty little plug-and-play consoles would come out. <laughs> All the mall chaos The fact ones. that the Wii would have a virtual console on it. And yeah. The fact that Namco, would, had it too, Namco yeah. would put out collections for PS2 and Xbox 360, and they would have yeah. XBLA versions and PSN versions and eShop <laughs> versions. All of this stuff, once again, needed to be figured out. This time in the year 2000. Wow, that's jumping ahead. When Namco combined, yeah, <laughs> Namco combined Miss Pac-Man and Galaga into one machine, which I'm sure we've all played. Yeah, a very popular I've machine. Seen that one, yeah. Sold a lot. I didn't know it was from 2000 though. That's a little. And our old pals from GCC who are no longer working there. They're just you know spending that Pac-Man money. You know Doing what I'm saying? Thing, yeah. They walk into an arcade. And what do you know? The there's fuck a new is pa- this shit? There's a new Pac-Man machine that they never heard of and are not getting royalties from. So what they do? They called up Namco. <laughs> and wouldn't you know it, Namco had zero idea <laughs> that Miss Pac-Man was made by Americans. Did that phone have a direct line at this time? Like, <laughs> <laughs> No. In fact, Namco had pretty much erased GCC from their history. Namco was oh. telling their employees that they made Miss Pac-Man. Oh. Well, that's rude. So they went knock. They went knocking on their door Jeez. and said, "Hey, we made Miss Pac-Man. Where's our fucking money?" And the people said, "Namco said, the they fuck didn't... are you talking about? Oh we made Miss Pac-Man." <laughs> so GCC goes uh, back to Massachusetts, digs up some old files. I think at this point it's just Doug. Who's you left? Know, the, the one of the Doug McRae, one of the original co-founders, is pretty much the guy doing all of this. Him and Kevin Cullen. Like, the two co-founders are pretty much doing this all by themselves. Right. But good on them. Apparently, they had no formal agreement in place, but up until this day, Doug McRae is still paying 10% of his Pac-Man stuff to everybody who ever worked on Miss Pac-Man. Because <laughs> he's a good guy, apparently. Yeah. And, yeah, they took him to court, finally. They brought their documents that said, hey, we made Miss Pac-Man. Namco was like, uh, all right, I guess you did. <laughs> well, shit. They had... I don't know if it was necessarily in court, but it was behind closed doors meetings from 2002 to 2007 in order to finally figure. Well, it's because they started making agreements and then the 360 came out and they're like, shit, now we need new agreements. And then the the iPod came out (laughs) or sorry, the iPhone came out and then they had to make another agreement. (laughs) When's the stadium meeting happening? Basically, (laughs) never. (laughs) What we know. Again, we don't know what the numbers are. We don't even really know what the deal is. I assume they got a cut in the end of the day, but this is all kept secret. Yeah. But yeah, that is the last the world has really heard of Miss Pac-Man. I mean, we all know Miss Pac-Man, but <laughs> until a uh, dude got his residuals check from the Miss Pac-Man flashlight, <laughs> the future is awful. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to Google it. I already know it exists. <laughs> you just get a yellow flashlight, and then you, you let gotta, your imagination. You got to slap a bow on it though. <laughs> Yeah, or else it's just you and two kissing gay <laughs> right. Pac-Men. You get a regular flashlight, you just cut a wedge out of it. And you take a Sharpie and put the little beauty mark on there. So we gotta stop talking about this. All right. Oh, you also have to put lipstick on it every time you use it. All right, now I'm done. I swear. Sometimes they accidentally ship you a Marge Simpson flashlight. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. All right. But yeah, I don't think I really need to comment on the legacy of Miss Pac-Man. It's probably one of my favorite classic arcade games. Yeah. It was also one of the first games I ever owned because I actually haven't played that much Miss Pac-Man in the arcades, but one of the first Genesis games I ever had was the Miss Pac-Man Genesis version. 
and I yeah. played it like crazy. It was great. I had the, the home SNES version, but I and believe <laughs> both of them had the, the you could play two people simultaneously, yeah, which was, was really like cool. awesome. That was, was really like a cool. really wild thing to see in Pac-Man. Um, <laughs> that it's is a the, great game. Yeah. It fucking rules. It's way better than Pac-Man in like every possible way. Yeah. I didn't actually play... And not to reference it again, but that is that Tengen did that home version, yeah. and, and it is better yep. than the official, because I think there's also, you can just buy regular Pac-Man on the the NES and the Genesis and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's and fucking stupid. It sucks. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pac-Man's garbage. Touch us all over again. It's not garbage, but it's not as good as Miss Pac-Man. Yeah. And I'm going to end on this little anecdote. I already kind of mentioned this, but to this day, Namco does not like to publicly acknowledge that Miss that the much better and much more popular <laughs> sequel to the most popular game they ever made yeah. was made by Americans. That's very true. Um, they still to this day will tell you that it was made by them, that it was made by Japanese people. They'll even tell their own employees that. Wow. Um, Pac-Man creator Toro Iwatani. Oh, from Pixels? Does not comment on Miss Pac-Man at all. <laughs> Only on Pac-Man. Die with your pride. But in the interview I read which is from a website called fastcompany.com. It's a great interview if you want to hear the words I just said, but directly out of these dudes' mouths. Um, (laughs) But yeah, they're all very proud of their creation. They still love it. They still, I guess, are friends and hang out. And they all have kids and wives now. But yeah, they're all proud of each other and themselves and their creation. And honestly, I'm proud of them too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And that's going to do it. America. (laughs) So, anyway, Japanese guy, (laughs) I'm sitting there fucking the coin return of this Ms. Pac Man machine. (laughs) And. That's a cool fucking story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that thus ends our first story in quarantine. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool to do these. We don't have many tales that go that far back. Yeah. So it's it's kind of neat to revisit Yeah, old some. game. <laughs> Which is funny because... That whole era is just nuts. I made the joke at the beginning of the podcast where I was like, we're not going to talk about Pac-Man. But the funny thing is the story of Pac-Man is just kind of boring. It's just like a dude's <laughs> oh, like, Mr. Pac-Man? what if there was like a maze and you went through it and everybody's like, yeah, that sounds cool. And then they made... <laughs> It and then it came out, and then it blew up, and that's when Miss Pac Man's story starts. So I was yeah. just like, oh, let's cut know. that bullshit out. Yeah, Namco made Pac Man. There you go. That's all you need to know. But yeah. Awesome. Thank you, everybody, for sticking with us for this. Yep. And uh, it actually turned out much better than I thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think we were a little cautious about running into last night. We had to spend a bit of time just making sure things would all come together. Yeah. Yeah, I believe we spent about two hours on Discord, one hour figuring it out, one hour plotting our own GTA 6 <laughs> uh, dream that sequel. Sure <laughs> we did, which was important to today's episode That's going work. well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is good work. Before we hit the punch-out clock, we... But yeah, like Randy said at the beginning of the podcast, we'll probably be doing this, at least for the foreseeable future. Who knows how stuck we will all be and when that and where will, we will start and when that will mm-hmm. end. And, you know, this is what we do. We're delivering we, you we the, have, the content while you're stuck at home. Yes, we have this system set up, at least for now. I hope it was a good episode to listen to. And um, yeah. it was, it was you know, yeah. yeah. Thank um, you, Chris and Jason, for getting that stuff set up and joining us. Yeah, of course. And I'm excited. I hopefully have some time to get going on next episode. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. forward less to that one. Less fun. <laughs> Way less fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll find a way to make it fun. But, um, <laughs> 
But yeah, thanks for listening. Yes. You can find us on all the podcast services, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, whatever. If you're inside and you're unemployed, take this time to write a positive yeah. review. <laughs> if this is your first episode and you are stuck indoors, you know, even if you're working from home, yeah, why not just, uh, you know, power through all the rest of them? We got like 60 episodes now. <laughs> That's true. There's a lot to keep so, you company. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, write some reviews. Write a review. Give us five stars. Like and subscribe. Uh, <laughs> ring that bell. <laughs> I got lost. Hold on. Watch Mojo part of your brain just like. <laughs> yeah. Let me reboot my brain. I went into robot mode there for a second. Um, we have a website, hotbuttoncast.com. There you can uh, search through the episodes for topics you're interested in or whatever. There's also our live episode, which there's a video of that up. And you can get a link to our YouTube channel because, again, still can't customize that URL because fuck you, YouTube. Um, <laughs> I love that that is like our... <laughs> You can see my great photoshops. If you would like to yes. see more of my great photoshops and clips and any further information we have going forward about anything relating to the, the quarantine or just what the podcast of the future or any new content we might have coming out, like some video content or something, keep an eye on our socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Hot Podcast. There's also links to those on our website. I oh, Man, I've been talking for a while. Um, <laughs> you throw it dry? Yeah. What, what else is there? Share. Share? <laughs> <laughs> My brain broke. You have to let me stop talking. I've been inside for too long. Yeah. All right. I think I covered everything. All right. We're out. Let's go wrap ourselves back in a blanket. <laughs>